It's been said that the world has reached peak disinfection as we work to rid our homes and workplaces of any trace of the COVID-19 virus. Truly, the pandemic has heightened everyone's interest in the many germ-fighting tools we have at our disposal. But public schools have always prioritized disease prevention, whether we're talking about common colds and the flu or vaccine-preventable illnesses such as whooping cough. So what can our neighborhood schools teach us about the strategies that work best? How is COVID-19 different? And what extra precautions are schools taking as we look to resume classes in the fall? I recently caught up with Canyons District Nurse Jennifer Gerard and B.J. Weller, Responsive Services Director for Canyons District, the department which, among other things, works to maintain safe, healthy learning environments in our schools. So let's start with what schools do every year in the name of disease prevention. Maybe start with you, Jen. I know that we enforce state vaccination requirements. Um, We have sick rooms in our schools. We teach good hand hygiene, but... You know, what are some of the things parents might not know about what a school nurse does on a daily basis? Uh, Okay, so on a daily basis in a school setting on a normal year, we're going to obviously we're going to monitor their immunizations because that's going to help prevent some of those communicable diseases that we're already familiar with and that we're already vaccinating against to prevent. Um, But we're also going to do things such as teaching hand hygiene to the students. So we do formal classes, informal classes. We have teachers that are talking about it frequently. We have hand sanitizer in the school routinely. Um, other things that we're doing, we have a, a health room that's located in every office, and those health rooms are a place where children can go and lay down and rest if they have a fever or they're sick in another way. Then we're contacting parents and trying to find them somebody who can pick them up and take them home and help them feel better. That would be a, a typical school year. You work with um, kids too to administer medicines that kids need, right? Throughout the day too, right? Sure. Also students. Yeah. And that's kind of something where we would follow along with a healthcare plan or meet their needs if they already have a medical diagnosis that impacts their school day. So we make those accommodations as well. And we help um, parents kind of, we're sort of the liaison between the parents, the doctor and the school. Mm-hmm. So we kind of help coordinate everybody and get everybody on the same page to keep okay. those kids safe. And, and, so, and what then is different and unique about this year? What extra safety precautions do we have in place? Um, well, we have a, we're, we're in the middle of a communicable disease. So extra safety precautions, I know that they've made adjustments to the ventilation system. Um, they've done things with the filtration systems there, and I can't really speak to that. But in addition to that, we're, we're finding ways to maintain distance. So we're trying to do some of that physical distancing as much as we can. They have made changes to lunch schedules and how the lunchroom is is situated so that kids aren't directly sitting across from each other when they're not wearing their masks. We've implemented the mask mandate. We're asking everybody to wear the mask. Um, we are, we're really just upping our game on sanitation. So we're things that we were already doing, we're doing more of, or we're doing it more frequently. We are having, you know, we're going to be having kids hand sanitize more. We're going to be having them wash their hands more. School nurses are hoping to really get involved in their schools and be there to kind of teach some of that hand hygiene practice and um yeah I'm sure I'm leaving a lot of things out we're doing a lot of different things right now right and there's a whole laundry list I think and then you mentioned lunchrooms but one I think one of the things I had heard is that they would assign seats also right during lunch for the purposes of contact tracing Mm -hmm. in the classrooms too right we'll have kids assigned to students assigned to desks yes yes exactly so if we have a seating chart for for as many events as we can within the school day then that will help us identify the people that were exposed if somebody were to test positive. Great. One of the ways, of course, one of the more powerful ways that we can prevent uh, the spread of COVID 
um, is to wear face coverings, you know, and as a global community, we've deployed and investigated a lot of complicated fixes to this pandemic, right? But, you know, there really is the one simple achievable solution of wearing face coverings. So avoid any confusion about our position on face coverings. What are we asking of our employees and our students and our visitors to this building? Please just wear a face covering. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really that simple, right? Um, we're a Canyons family and we care about each other. And it might be a little inconvenient. It might be a little itchy. But at the end of the day, if it saves lives, why would we not do that? And um, accommodations are made available to staff and students uh, who may have a sensitivity or a sensory, a medical or mental health condition. And we're, we're working through that process. But if we're able to help somebody, I think it's our responsibility to do that. Uh, Canyons District has created three learning options for families, in person, online, or parent-directed, district-supported. And if a family really feels strongly that they do not want to send their child to school with a mask, then we just invite them to choose one of those other two options because, again, there will be more risk uh, for everybody, if we're not following through on this um, health requirement of wearing a face covering. And I should mention, if we sound a little muffled, it's because we're all wearing face masks, right? Yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, I wanted to add one thing to what Jen said a few minutes ago, uh, because I don't think they give themselves enough credit. Uh, our school nurses are working night and day to not only train our front office staff on on how to use a glucagon uh, pen or, a, or an EpiPen, you know, first aid, CPR. They'll be training each front office on what do we do when somebody uh, comes in and they have symptoms, right? Because we know that there's still going to be the general cold. People will still have sinus infections. So number one, we're asking people, please do not come to school or work if you're not feeling well and you have symptoms, right? Please just stay home until you don't have symptoms or go get uh, checked by your health uh, doctor. But number two, if you do have symptoms at school and you have to come down, our nurses are training the front office on is, is this an injury or is the symptom related? Do they need to be isolated or do we just need to have a secondary location for uh, individuals to wait or if they're coming down to get their medication? You know, what is all of that going to look like? And then they're providing additional protective equipment um, to the front office in the form of goggles, um, higher rated masks, because if they're dealing with students who have symptoms, again, we want to then increase uh, their protective uh, factors. So they, they are working tirelessly, um, not only to provide facts to individuals so that they can maybe reduce some of the anxiety or fear that, that they're feeling, but to then provide ongoing supports through this whole process. What about physical distancing? Um, we've talked about um, one, of, one of the things that I, I understand that we're doing is to reduce sort of intermingling in the halls and keep students kind of well-spaced. We'll be doing some things with, you know, like the chalk, not chalking, but lining of the halls with directional signage mm -hmm. and that kind of thing, right? Anything else? Uh, we talked about the lunchrooms, but what about re how, how are we handling recesses and that kind of thing? So recess, as far as we know, is going to be about the same. Um, 
though schedules have been altered, so you have fewer students out at the same time. But the definition for a close contact exposure means that an individual was it was within six feet for a duration of 15 minutes or longer. And that, again, that's the definition for a close contact exposure. And so when they are outside access, um, they do not need to wear their face covering. They can take that off. They need to, to play, get fresh air, right, continue not only getting exercise, but um, practicing good social skills, um, problem-solving skills. Yeah. And um, it, it's, it's good for them. It's really important. It's critical, really, to, to take that time to be out there. And if the schools can follow that, and then when the kids come back in, wash their hands, you know, use hand sanitizer um, to um, disinfect, then that'll be even better. And that, I mean, really, that's what we're asking our teachers to do when the students come back in. Give them that opportunity. Use soap and water as much as possible. That's more effective than the sanitizer. Mm-hmm. Right, Nurse Jan? That's correct. Yeah, <laughs> we prefer soap and water, but when you can't use, when you don't have access to soap and water, then the hand sanitizer will help you. Yeah. And, and, and what's the, what, what is it, 20 seconds, right? 20 is seconds. Number? Yeah, 20 seconds. So that's, you know, the ABCs twice. What is it? Happy birthday twice or twinkle, twinkle, little star twice. Okay. Any of those will get that 20 second time and it's, it's scrubbing everything, scrubbing your fingertips, getting in between your fingers, um, just making sure that you're covering all the surfaces with soap and then rinsing really well with water. And I, I just got off the phone with our transportation director too. And we were kind of talking about some of the safeguards that are in place for our buses. And they're really quite similar to what we have for our schools, right? I mean, uh, folks will be required to wear a face covering and then I think they'll have sanitizer available for students to use as they board the bus. They'll be doing cleanings between routes. And then after uh, the, the end of the school day, also with hospital grade disinfectants, as we will with our classrooms. So, yeah. so this is a, a, another area that is not necessarily foreign to schools, right? The handling of uh, suspected or confirmed cases of a transmittable disease, right? Talk about kind of how we'll be approaching this with COVID-19. What's unique about this year? What's unique about this year is that in other outbreaks of communicable diseases, we typically have a vaccine. So we have vaccine rates within schools, which is going to sort of give us a herd immunity in a sense. And so that herd immunity is going to protect the most people. And then there's going to be a few that have an exemption against for the vaccine. So they don't have the vaccine. So if there's an outbreak, which and that number varies depending on the, the disease. So measles, it only takes one and that's an outbreak. If there's varicella, then it's like five. So there's, it varies depending on what it is that we're dealing with. Um, but students that have an exemption would be the ones that then need to quarantine and monitor and watch. And the students that are, that are vaccinated fully are able to continue to come to school. So it's treated a little bit different where this is communicable, but there isn't a vaccine option. So everybody is, is essentially exempt from having immunity. So they're, they're all treated that way and they would all need to quarantine after an exposure or isolate if they test positive. Okay. And what we, what we know right now today, as of this recording, um, August 10th, <laughs> is that a outbreak in a classroom is considered uh, when three individuals have tested positive within a two-week time frame. When there, were, when there are two confirmed cases in a classroom, we'll send a letter home to the families 
within that class, not to the whole school, just in that class to let them know that there have been a couple of confirmed cases and that we will be asking people to be more diligent. If it does reach that third case within that two week time frame, then the whole classroom will need to quarantine for the two weeks. So that would be considered an exposure or, or excuse me, uh, an outbreak. And if we're thinking about a whole school, then 15 individuals testing positive would be considered an outbreak. And in collaboration with the local health department and our school board, that decision would be to close the school um, for the two week quarantine period. Okay. And of course, uh, one of the benefits of the learning options that we have available to parents in that case is that, you know, all teachers will be pushing their uh, instruction onto Canvas, right, which is sort of the online learning system that we use. And so no matter where a student is learning, they're going to be on track with their peers, they're going to be able to access the lesson, lessons that they need to access and the support that they need to access to, to continue learning even during a situation like this. That's exactly right. As much as we can keep routines, procedures, relationships uh, in place, the better. Yeah, so if you have to quarantine for two weeks, um, all of our teachers should now have Canvas pages. They've been receiving training throughout the spring and now into the fall on how to provide that instruction. And students will not un- unenroll from that class. They'll continue with their same teachers uh, during that time frame. What happens if someone, a parent over the weekend, their child has symptoms, they take them in for some testing because they're concerned, and they find out that the child tests positive do they notify the school or does the health department notify the school? How does that work? Yes and yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so we're, our yeah, so we're asking number one, if somebody has been tested and they have not received their results yet, please stay home, right? Do, please do not come to school or work if you have symptoms. And if you're awaiting test results, please do not come. You should be quarantining. Um, if you do receive information that you tested positive, please let your school office know. Um, the health department will notify us, but they may not notify us in the same time frame as a, as a parent um, because of the um, caseload at the health department. So, so they may in the same day, I don't know. But we always just ask parents to let us know why their students are not in school. And this is no different. We talked about you know, obviously how we're safeguarding the physical health of our employees and our students. But this pandemic has really been a traumatic experience for all of us, right? I mean, um, talk about maybe some of the measures that we have in place to support just wellness in general, emotional healing and mental health for our students and our employees. You know, one of the really uh, important facts I want to make sure we mention is that even before covid Canyon School District had planned to hire six additional school nurses because we saw the gap in services that we could provide to students and staff and families in terms of wellness, right? They, they're not just here to help give insulin shots and create health care plans. There's a lot that our school nurses can do uh, to provide education and prevention, focusing on the whole child, you know, um, eating better, you know, getting uh, adequate rest at night, Um, looking at the snack guidelines that we provide to schools and and to families, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think number one, just 
as we focus on wellness, reminding everybody to be gentle with ourselves, right? Get as much sleep as we can. That's healthy. Maybe not 15 hours, right? But, but get adequate rest, eat healthy, do everything you can to improve your immune system. And then just be mentally prepared when we come back with our students that many of our students have been in unsafe situations. Maybe some of our staff members have been in unsafe, unsafe situations. And what I mean by that is um, domestic violence rates have increased um, significantly, uh, even in our own county. And drug and alcohol use has increased in, in some areas in our county. And just knowing some of those situations and where there's been less structure in the home than maybe people are used to when they come to school. When everybody comes back, just be gentle with ourselves, with our students. Just know that people are here. There might be a lot of fear. There might be some anxiety. But work through that with your counselor, with you know, with your school staff members, with your administrator. If it really does become... Um, a struggle where you feel like you can't function, then reach out. We have an employee assistance program uh, offers free counseling, free supports to individuals. And it's okay. Um, Anxiety is there to help protect us. And sometimes anxiety um, runs its own course and, and we start catastrophizing things in our head and, and by talking to one of our school nurses to get the facts of, of the situation can bring that down, uh, bring our anxiety down to more manageable levels. Um, we, we always caution about the use or overuse of social media and to just check the references or the sources uh, because there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, a lot of information that is geared towards inciting more anxiety and more fear and, and that's hard for people, you know? So I, we just say, be mentally prepared, take care of yourself. Um, we do have counselors, psychologists, social workers, nurses in our building, um, focusing on wellness and prevention. And we do have professional services available if needed. Yeah, and, and of course, like school administrators and counselors are also good resources as, as the, we still have the safe UTF, correct? Yes. Um, so yeah, all great resources for anyone who's struggling and just needs a little extra help. Yeah. Um, we got this, we're all in this together. (laughs) We're going to get through it right? and, and we'll be stronger for it and we'll learn from it. And I think in hindsight, a year from now, we'll be more cognizant of, of healthier habits. Um, we'll be more cognizant of better hygiene in schools, (laughs) Sure. I, I don't think we'll be complacent any longer. Yeah, and don't and to all you parents out there, don't forget to get your flu shot. <laughs> yes. 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 I know I'm gonna get mine. Um all right. Well thank you both for taking time today to chat. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, we're excited to see our students and staff back. And uh for all the parents, just know whether you choose at home instruction or online or in person. Um, please feel free to utilize our wellness staff, whether that's our nurses, our counselors, social workers, psychologists, 
The Responsive Services Department is here to ensure that each student is safe, healthy, and ready to learn. Join us again for the next episode of Connect Canyons, a podcast sponsored by Utah's Canyons School District. If you have any comments for us, questions, or ideas for topics you'd like us to explore, email us at communications at canyonsdistrict.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at Canyons District. Today's show was edited by Andrew Reeser. If you like this episode, please be sure to share it with a friend. I'm Kirsten Stewart. And this is Canyon School District.